Welcome everyone. Today we have with us a guest on our show. We have Shreya Patar, who is a freelancer, a writer, and an agency owner. She started her business back in college four years ago and currently makes over $10,000 a month entirely online. In this podcast, we're going to talk about how she did it and how you can do the same thing too. Welcome, Shreya. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Harsh. How are you? I'm doing well. So good to finally speak with you. It is like same. It's been a while since we spoke, so I'm glad this is a very public conversation. But yeah, I hope it'll be fun. So for the people who don't know you or people who might not be aware, give us a bit about your background. And yeah, we know you're a freelancer, but tell us more. How did you get here? Yeah, sure. Um, so hi, I'm Shreya Patar. I'm a content creation agency owner. I started freelancing and that's about like four years ago. And since I think the last two years, I've also been sort of teaching freelancing online, mainly on Instagram, but also a little bit here and there on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I've written six ebooks and apparently it's something that I love doing. So I keep writing ebooks and um I think the reason I ended up starting freelancing was because my first post on LinkedIn went viral. And because of that, a lot of people messaged me saying like, you know, we love the way you wrote that post. Can you create something like that for us? And I just started writing content because of that. Um, Generally, though, I've like always been good at writing, I guess, like it's always been my inclination towards it. And um, I started writing at a fairly young age. So I had a lot of practice by that point and I had done a few internships as well. So I did have a little bit of like content experience and I just started saying yes. And I think that's that's basically how it started. So just saying yes to things. I continued creating content on LinkedIn. Um, right now I have an audience of 125,000 on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, that's that's basically what I do. I see. So you first made a post on LinkedIn and it randomly went viral and that's how you built your success, you could say. Yeah. yeah. How did you land up on LinkedIn? Because for me, I I started with Twitter and I didn't even think of LinkedIn. In my mind, it didn't even exist. So how come you started with such an obscure platform, LinkedIn? So I created an account when I was doing my internships. I never used that account, but I just like updated all my work experience. I had just joined college at the time. This was in 2018. And uh, so everything was updated just in case, you know, I get some internship or something in university. And uh, the first month in college, the CEO of LinkedIn was there for an interview with one of the student societies that we have in universities. And I just, after the interview, I just went up and I spoke to him. And the first LinkedIn post was actually about that conversation that I had with him. And I think a lot of people do think that there was some like secret hack or something he gave me. It wasn't that. It was just like normal conversation, I think. And I just put that up on LinkedIn. I think just because it made sense, right? He's the CEO of LinkedIn. And then if I'm meeting him, I'll just put that up on LinkedIn. So I don't even know if I really thought anything about it. I just like wrote something. It was like the middle of the night. I was exhausted after this long day of college. I just wrote something. I published it online. And the next day I realized that, okay, this is really picking up. Millions of people have already seen it. And uh, that's how it all started. So I think just LinkedIn, because the person I met, of course, was the CEO of LinkedIn. And um, I guess no other thought process really there. 
So how do you take it from one viral post to a social media agency? Give us a quick breakdown of how it went. So did you start getting clients? Did you reach out to people? Mm-hmm. How did you become from, you know, everyone has had a viral post every once in a while, you know, especially people who make content. But how right. did you go from a viral post to being a success? Okay. Um I think that was the very cliche word, right? Consistency, but it was literally just that. because i instantly realized that you know on linkedin i can get clients without actually having to look for them as such i could do this without having a degree i could i just started college like i said so you know i was in my first year first month of college and i still made like 200 or 250 dollars in that first month so i was like okay there is opportunity um and over the next uh, two years i was still busy with college and things like that but i kept uh, freelancing as much as i could creating content on linkedin every other day or so like 3 to 4 times a week getting leads um inbound leads converting them that was the basic line and i think once the lockdown hit that's when things really changed because suddenly i i was in my room all day i didn't come back home so i i studied in dublin in uh, trinity college dublin and i was abroad basically right so i was in my room all day for like one and a half years just by myself and i just had so much time and i'm like okay need to make the most of this time because the, first they said the lockdown would be like 3 weeks and i was like okay this is a good opportunity to finally sleep in and you know binge netflix and not really have to go to college and things like that i did that for like a week or two and then i realized that yeah, this is not working out so i started pitching um, more clients created more content on linkedin once every single day um changed what kind of content i was creating as well started charging a premium and i think by the end of my uh like by the mid of my third year of college i had made enough money to be able to support my entire living expenses my tuition fees everything in ireland by myself and i that i think that was the main point of change for me when i realized okay this is something i'm i can do and this is something i'm good at because this was way 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 above average um considering you know i'm from india and what you can expect in terms of your career and in terms of career growth and salary things like that this this was like way beyond so i picked up on that and um after third year i realized i don't want to do college anymore it's just no reason to continue so i left college i did end up getting getting a bachelor's not a bachelor's honors but i got a bachelor's i left college and then i transitioned to an agency where i have a few people uh, who are working with me and we offer linkedin branding services organic growth services and basically um, also some sort of long form content like article writing and um, i think it was just a step by step process right starting from like making 250 a month $250 a month and being like okay this is great to at some point hitting like 10k a month and being like now this is like life changing money or whatever you want to call it and then deciding that nothing else is worth giving this up right now let's just do more of this so then transitioning completely into content creation and writing and lead generation and agency work so yeah that's that's story interesting Yeah. So what was the first service you were offering? So when people were reaching out to you, what were they reaching out to you for? It was writing and I think it was all kinds of writing. I mean, I've written content for brochures, for websites, for social media, of course. 
um i've also written content for like youtube video scripts uh ad scripts things like that so i just kept saying yes to as many things as possible for almost a year or like over a year i just took on anything that would pay me uh the amount that i was comfortable with and that seemed like a good client to work with and uh, now mainly it's linkedin branding so linkedin organic branding and article writing that's what i've narrowed it down to at this point hmm it's interesting you mentioned that you kept saying yes it reminds me of this quote from russell brunson i think which is something like if someone gives you a great opportunity that you don't know how to actually do say yes and then figure out how to do it later yes that's true it works <laughs> i'm glad it works <laughs> yeah, so tell me how did you actually get a team um because when you say an agency i assume that you have a team right mm-hmm. and I... what do you look for in an employee because most people i know who are in the social media business they hesitate for months before hiring someone they keep mm-hmm. thinking and this happened to me too but once you actually hire someone it you realize that you can delegate so many tasks it frees up so much of your time and you can mm-hmm. scale so much more and since you run an agency i bet you know more about this than i do so tell me more so i think the hesitation even i had it like for i i i had to start hiring people at least a year before i ended up doing it so yes i had a lot of hesitation in terms of finding good people trustworthy people things like that um but then i just started with like hiring one person and by hiring i mean i don't have any full time employees i have people on either a monthly retainer basis or i have people who work on project basis so like i have these group of like go to people and i'll just ping them when something comes up so it's it it works on both fronts mostly everyone is, is in that side of things like as as a freelancer you could say um that in in terms of hiring i think first is a sample project i always give them something to create for me that will be used by the client so it's not like a mock content it's something that will be used um so we can also get live feedback and i also understand that okay for this client is this the right person to work with or not um then another thing that the sample project helps me do is it really helps me see their entire process of working so how good are they with feedback with applying their that feedback with communication with um you know updates with deadlines how well are they able to manage things how do they keep me on track with what they are doing and i think just that one sample is enough to just get a starting idea if things don't work out i will obviously say okay look it's not working out let's not uh take like you know let's not work together anymore right now and i think that's okay so that's just the flexibility you get with having a freelancer as opposed to having a full time employee and i think anyone who's a new agency owner or a new uh, just new with working with people i think this is a great model to have another thing though that in the last couple of months i have been leaning more towards is like this whole solopreneurship thing so i am going back to this whole freelancing thing but not in the same capacity i'm looking for better clients i'm looking for a different kind of service that i would like to start offering and um, i'm just seeing what in what capacity could as i do it as a solo entrepreneur because i've been seeing people like justin welsh who are doing really well as a one man army plus a va or like a personal assistant or whatever whatever they call it and i think that's a great model uh because managing people is hard working with with people like on the team is hard so 
Yeah. I'm just exploring if I can do this whole solopreneurship thing now. Hmm. If I may offer some of my own insight here, and yeah. this kind of like I kind of got my hands burnt a few times before I learned this, but it I've always found it better to hire employees who are self motivated and mm-hmm. kind of like entrepreneurs themselves. Like they do their own research and put in the work rather than you having to watch them all the time. Mm-hmm. Has this been your experience too? Yeah, I mean, you need someone you don't have to micromanage because. otherwise you're just putting in more time managing them and you at I, i think i've reached that point with many people where i'm like you know what just just leave it i'll do it myself and that's the kind of people you know that okay you you should not hire these kind of people again um so yeah i think that i've had that experience as well it it's a common thing so changing gears for a minute tell us yeah. what skills you would recommend for someone who wants to get into freelancing let's say someone is a rank novice they're just out of college or maybe they're like me who didn't go to college and they're like okay i want to start freelancing i want some of this online income thing i am an indian guy i make 2 dollars a month or whatever you know 200 dollars a month <laughs> 2 dollars is too low <laughs> not trying to mock my people <laughs> but they want some of that online money thing coming especially the usd so yeah. what are their options what skills should they pursue I think there are so many options in terms of online uh, businesses. Um, so anything you think in terms of like social media, in terms of digital content, online content, all of that works. So like it could be video editing, graphic designing, copywriting, content writing, things like that. It could also be anything that the the core idea is that whatever skill you have to offer, people would pay for it if it helps them make more money. So another thing in the same angle would be if you help people with uh maybe like running ads or doing some sort of outreach sales and marketing things like that they work as well i would say you can first like at a personal level of course you know what you're inclined more towards when it comes to certain skill sets that you could offer online rather than you know actually having to be there in person um explore those and if you cannot think of anything i always say just like learn writing because writing works for anything and everything you want to do ads you want to do social media content you want to do a uh, cold outreach you want to do presentations or like a- anything related to public speaking writing will help with like every single thing that you have in mind um so you can learn writing and i would say in fact learn writing regardless but like in terms of copywriting or like very specific content writing you can go in for that if you have no idea what to do um also teaching works very well so if you are an expert in a particular topic like let's say right now what's trending is especially blockchain and crypto people really want to understand it but there's very few teachers who can do a good job so even if you start teaching that online at in a personal capacity or or through content creation and then move towards let's say mentorship or coaching programs or small cohorts and things like that then that's also a way to monetize an audience um So yeah in terms of like skill that's that would be your core skill that you do need as a freelancer other than that you do need communication skills english work on it i think for indian freelancers english becomes a barrier and i've had a lot of people surprisingly bash me for saying that oh you know like you're promoting english but it is what works you need to know english it's a global language and that's what will help you close international clients as well so work on english writing reading speaking also comprehension like are you able to really understand what the person is saying that's important 
And um, I would say, apart from like the core scale and communication, you also finally need a lot of patience, a lot of patience and a lot of commitment because it's not an overnight thing. Um, and it's not a consistent thing. Like you could have some months where you're making like 10K a month, some months where you're making 5K, 8K, 15K, and then you come back to 8K. So it'll be a bit up and down, especially in the initial um, year or two. So you just have to kind of see yourself through it, like just, you know, put these on and just like see yourself through it. So yeah, a lot of commitment and patience. Yeah. I see. For... You mentioned crypto earlier, so I like to give a self-plug, you could say. Yes. For people who want to learn crypto, the best site is teachyourselfcrypto.com. That is created by me and a friend of mine. And this is the best course on crypto out there. But moving back to what you said, you said that the simplest thing you can learn is how to write. Mm -hmm. And I would like to ask you how to do that because... Uh, most yeah. people, like I could tell them, you know, learn writing, but... People, as everyone thinks they know how to write. Like people don't really know, they don't know how to write. Yeah. So what resources would you recommend them to learn writing? And do they actually need to read books and learn it or can they just do it? Because me, for example, I never learned how to write. Like I went, I failed English a couple of times in school. Yeah. And I just started writing as a hobby and here we are. So give us your take. And if possible, if you could recommend some books or courses, that yeah. would be great. I think writing is definitely one of those practice and learn and practice and improve skills. Like reading about it is okay, but you actually have to put it into put work into it and you have to do it every single day to improve. So the, like I said, you know, writing is something I've been doing since a very young age because I've just seen my parents reading a lot of books and I've seen them like my, my dad also, he also loves to write. So I think I've just seen that happening in the house and it's just, come up so I've never really focused too much on like a specific book or something like that um, but I would say that my writing has changed a lot from what it was at this time like two years ago versus now and then again of course what it was like seven eight years ago versus now so that's all because I've been writing like every single day since I was like very young so I think that makes a lot of difference of practice, but especially in terms of like a specific type of writing right now, because we are talking about something that could be potentially monetized. I would say in terms of like copywriting, if you want to do, for example, sales pages or you want to do newsletters, if you have a very specific type of writing that you would like to learn, then the free way to learn this kind of writing is to actually pick up the best content that you find that is related to it. Like pick up your favorite landing page, pick up uh, some creators that have really good newsletters and literally like study their work, see what order they have written everything in, why they've said it a certain way, how they've linked their product, how they've um, linked some other article, maybe how they've structured it, all of that, like study it. Uh, so it's called a swipe file when you do it for Twitter, like you collect all the best tweets and it's, it's called a swipe file. So you basically do that, but for any specific kind of content that you want to work on. And then you also recreate it. So you can literally like handwrite it. I think that's one of the techniques that I've recommended to someone else and it did work. Again, I've always sort of been into this, so I've never uh, focused on specific techniques. But I recommend recommended this to someone where you just like handwrite uh, some of the best things that you see online. And that works because then you're just so conscious about every single word and every single sentence that you're putting, putting down on paper. 
Um, and if you are looking for paid re resources, then one of the creators that I think has a very good copywriting course, although I've not taken it, I know people who have taken it. Um, it's by Tej Dosa and he has a very good uh, copywriting crash course and like a full cohort thing as well, I think. So you can check that out. Also, if you like copywriting a lot or I think even for content, like generally, I think everybody should probably read this book. Uh, it's called Cashvertising by Drew Eric Whitman. And it's a really good book because um, it gives you insight into how persuasion and how sales works through words. So I think that's a great book. And another book I really like is On Writing. It's by Stephen King. And he explains his entire writing and editing process. And it's done very well because the book is basically in the form of his own stories. So I think, yeah, that, that book makes for a good read as well. So, yeah, these three resources. I see. That's uh, another point to the Tej Dosa course. I have a friend who's taken it too, and they like it a lot. Like, okay. I've never heard someone say anything bad about that course. So I think I might take it at some point. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a great guy. Like, I, I follow him on Twitter. Like, I, I've been like he was the first newsletter i ever subscribed to and he was the first person from whom i learned what copywriting is and this was like five six six seven years ago probably so until then i literally thought copywriting means you copy what's written like for first like first time when somebody said you should try copywriting i'm like why is that even a thing but then i googled and then he was the first person who came up like as you know, a six-figure copywriter. I'm like, wow, that that's that's interesting. And then I subscribe to his newsletter. So, yeah, it's him that it's his free content, by the way, that I've learned a lot of copywriting from. So, for the un for the uninitiated, by the way, the word copywriting means selling through words. So it's writing sales pages and everything. For example, sending out a newsletter and having a you know a buy now link at the bottom. So how do you convince people to click that buy now link and give you their money? So that's what copywriting is about, because I'm going to bet there are going to be some listeners who don't know what it is. And for all this while, they were thinking it has something to do with the law, like copywriting a book or something. <laughs> so let me change gears once again. And I think this is going to be a podcast which is all over the place. But how do you get clients in the sense, what is the process like? Say you DM them on LinkedIn, do you do a call with them and... What are the best tips or things you've learned that helps people close a client? So for me, since I've been, you know, I've been creating content on LinkedIn for almost four years. So it still works for me in terms of inbound lead generation. I use that. Um, I use that for services. I've also started doing outreach on LinkedIn again um, from my own LinkedIn account, which is very professional, properly set up, has a lot of like, social proof on it. I think that definitely helps in me getting better responses. And uh, one of the important things about doing outreach on LinkedIn, I would say is to use that connection request um, personalized note feature. So basically when, unlike on Twitter, when you just have to click follow, LinkedIn also has a connect option. So when you connect, you basically get the opportunity to also be able to DM that person. So you both get connected and then you can both DM each other which you cannot do otherwise if you're not connected unless you have one of those premium uh, LinkedIn plans. So if you're on a free plan, make sure the connection request that you send is personalized. 
And if you plan to pitch to that person, if it's not just a connection, if it's not for networking, but it's for pitching, I would say use that connection space to pitch. Like just give a personalized line, give a one-liner case study, like whatever your best case study is, and then just ask them, let's connect and chat or let's connect. And, you know, it's it's a very, um, I think that particular space is very good for practicing outreach because it, there's a character limit of 300. So you have to say whatever you want to say in 300 characters, which helps a lot of people who are like, who send like such long cold emails. I think that will help you really boil it down and uh, force you to create a very concise cold DM. Uh, so it's a good way of practicing that as well. And in terms of the process, then what I do is if, if it's inbound, I send them, like I ask them a couple of qualifying questions. I just do it on the chat itself. If they're qualified, then I will book a sales call with them. And I will either try to close them on the call itself, like, okay, get get a response and just, you know, decide on the call whether we work together or not. Or in some cases, people do prefer getting more information or getting specific uh, case studies or getting specific samples. And then I just send that after the call. Then we probably either have it on the call or they confirm over email. And then we just start working together. But if I'm doing cold outreach, then I don't do that qualification thing because it's, of course, it's annoying. If I reach out to you, you, first of all, you agree to connect with me and to um, probably discuss this opportunity with me. But instead, I just, I'm just like, hold on, wait, first, let me see if you're worth that time. And I think any qualification you do instead should be just done before you do the cold outreach. So if anyone you've done, you've cold DM'd, if anyone accepts your request, I would say just get on a call with them book a call see where that goes and uh, i don't do i don't do like separate discovery and sales calls i just do one as as one sales call and that's it so i don't i don't do it like a two or three step process it's one call i see uh, now that you mentioned filtering it kind of reminds me of my own consulting days but let me ask you what do you look for in a client like what is something that a client can do that will make you say no i will not going to, i'm not going to work with you like this is not going to happen well so many things i think in most cases it comes down to the budget that that becomes like financial aspect becomes one of the biggest blocks another thing would be expectations like maybe you are agreeing for the fee but you have bigger expectations in terms of the scope of work or in most cases, in terms of the result. So you are not willing to be patient with the process, especially when I say I do organic branding and I help you make sales through organic LinkedIn branding. It's not an overnight thing. It's going to take about three to six months minimum to start seeing good results. And my clients do see results. But the only thing is, if you're not willing to be patient and you're not willing to try and test and experiment in those three to six months, then we are not able to work together properly. So I think that does become a bit of a block. So I always like if they are like, OK, within the first month, we want this. I cannot guarantee that. And I cannot say that, OK, this is happening. Um, so patience becomes another thing. And finally, just their time. Like, are you able to like, I don't expect a lot from my clients in terms of time. I only expect a couple of hours a month, probably for content review kind of things. So I will always ask them. And if they say that they don't have time for this, then it becomes again a block because either the work drags on from one month to like two, two and a half months, and then you're just stuck in the same process. You're not moving forward in terms of results, in terms of your invoices, like everything just gets stuck. Um, so I think these three things mainly become deciding factors. 
but yeah I, I think that that's pretty much it do you have any specific tips for people who are in freelancing that you might have learned from your own experience and you know just to give you an example of the kind of stuff i mean mm-hmm. for example back in consulting and this was in the offline days not online but if a client they wanted like a massive discount or if they if this felt stingy mm-hmm. i noticed that they were like really problematic clients like they would give like 1% of your revenue and take like 20% of your time and yeah. never happy and i would typically reject people who wanted like a big discount or things like that so have you noticed some things like that in your own what do you call it experience and what advice do you have in specific in the sense that i know that you're a big proponent of charging in advance so tell us more about that as well yeah so that's one of the payment terms that i'm trying to spread out as this entire movement for indian freelancers because it is not a common thing So charging in advance is basically a concept where you get paid for the work before you start the work and this is very common in like US and UK that's how freelancers work and um they either do like a 50% advance payment and then you pay 50% once the project is complete or you in my case I charge 100% for every month so on a monthly basis you pay me 100% in advance and um, the reason this is so important is because especially in india with indian freelancers a big um, hurdle is getting paid and getting paid fairly but also getting paid on time and so many times even if they've done this work that's highly negotiated that's you know like for probably like 20% of what they really want to get paid even if they accept that they just don't end up getting paid at the end of the day because well once you've given the work anyone can just run away with it right So I say charge in advance. This is something that I think all freelancers should do it irrespective of what kind of freelancing they're doing. And uh, you also get more peace of mind because you know okay like I think there's a certain commitment and accountability that comes from both ends when the payment is made in advance because then you know you've already received the money so you have to do a good job so that you don't put yourself in that weird position where you are like I'm not happy with what I've done like should I refund like you don't want to be in that position at all. So you do better work and then from the second second side of things also for the client it's better because they've also committed and they are they will also be accountable towards okay whatever you have whatever you expect from them because they've paid in advance as well so that does matter um other than that like you said yeah like if somebody negotiates way too much that's not somebody you want to work with somebody who keeps asking for like extra free work some is not somebody you want to work with somebody who keeps using words like oh it's just like just another 100 words or it's it's only going to take you like you know 5 minutes or whatever like when they keep using these words that sort of i think their idea in their head is they're trying to say look you're so good at what you do that it's only going to take you like only so much time but the thing is when they say that it's actually pushing for the idea that i don't value your time i don't value your expertise in fact i'm not saying that i'll pay you more because you're going to do the work quick but i'm saying that because you're going to do the work quick i shouldn't have to pay you at all for this and uh, this is one of the things you just realize when you start working with people when that there are certain words they use where you instantly know that okay this is not somebody you want to work with so i think only and just like those are a few few of such words um So yeah, I think those are a few things in terms of I think pricing does become an you know, overarching idea for this. 
and um, just anybody who's pushing their limits right anybody who's like calling you at odd hours expecting you to do more work in less time changing the deadlines frequently changing the expectations frequently asking you to give more edits than than there are in the contract all of these things like anybody who's not respectful of your boundaries also somebody you should walk away from yeah like red flags to any red flags <laughs> So how do you get yourself at a point where you're like okay I can actually reject clients because most people are not in the position to do so. And that's a good question. I always say that you know at certain points you do have to work with like you, you have to kind of take any opportunity that comes your way it depends on what position you are in at that moment. Like if you're absolutely broke and you feel like okay if I get $50 right now for like even 20 hours of work but that makes sense to me you might want to consider it is it is it going to be painful yes but do you need the money yes so but the idea with whatever i put forth online and all the content i create online is that i don't want you to ever be in that position so i think one of the things about getting paid better is to first of all reach out to better clients and i think that's where uh, especially indian freelancers are going wrong that they are reaching out to people who are in like the bluntest word possible who are broke um so a lot of freelancers i see are actually doing freelancing for like students like why are you writing sops for students why are you doing academic writing for students students cannot pay even if it means like getting into their dream university they will not pay more than like 10000 rupees which is like what i don't know 120 dollars or something for an sop which will still take you about 5 6 hours if you're good at it probably 10 if you're like okay at it so I think first of all your target audience has to change if you are going after students youngsters people who are like resume creation for people who are looking for a job that's a broke market do not approach that um second thing is also to look into the international market i think a lot of indian freelancers again struggle with uh wanting to be first capable and then you know like wanting to achieve some level of i think uh, what do you say confidence or some level of uh, feeling like okay now i am worthy of reaching out to international clients but i don't think there's a difference i had written about this one saying if you don't think you are like worthy of reaching out to international clients then it means that you shouldn't have clients at all because even if you're working with an indian client who's paying you well of course you should do good work it doesn't mean that just because a client is indian you can get away with anything and just because a client is international oh my god i have to really think about the quality of work that's not how it works a client is a client no matter where they are based they are paying once you've accepted the work and once you have agreed for whatever price but you have agreed to do the work um and if they are not of course if they are not causing you pain while working that's a different thing but once you have given your commitment your job is to do your best job possible and if you don't think you can do a good job for an international client then i think you have to change your mindset because a client is a client that's it that that's the that's the bottom line so if you feel like you're not there yet to pitch internationally improve your skill set build your portfolio create a mock portfolio and then start reaching out to people and initially work for free if you have to because when you work for free for like two or three good people like people that you know that working for free will actually give you good testimonials give you good learning opportunity work for free for these kind of people and then use their uh, case studies and their reviews and testimonials and feedback to pitch to people that you can get 
paid by. So don't be afraid to work for free as well. I would say, especially in that first month of freelancing, be be open to it. I'm going to change gears once more, and before I do so, I would like to ask you: Do you have any recommendations on where someone who's a beginner can learn more about freelancing? Do you have an ebook or something like that? Yes, I do have an ebook. It's called Freelancing Freedom, and uh, it covers like everything, right from how to pick a skill to freelancing to finding your first client, and it includes a roadmap to do all of this in ten days. I also have a video course coming up, which is similar about how to uh, freelance, like how to find your first client. That's not out yet, but yeah, my ebook. Um, I think Harsh can link it somewhere, and then that. I will put it in the description of this video. Perfect. And I think just for free, like if you want to learn, like if you're not ready to or ready to invest in an ebook yet, you can obviously also check out my Instagram, same name Shreya Patar, and uh, yeah, free content there as well. I think Shreya also has a book on LinkedIn, which is really good. I read it and I liked it a lot. The only thing is that in LinkedIn forces you to use your real name, and I made an account with Life Math Money, and they kicked me out instantly, telling me that no, 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 you got to have a proper name and everything. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> so, go ahead. I remember we talked about this. Yeah. So, do, would you recommend someone who's starting to do? Should they start with LinkedIn or should they start with freelancing or should they do both oh um i think linkedin is one of the ways to find clients like if you're looking at it purely from a freelancing perspective then linkedin is good for finding clients so it doesn't really become exclusive that way um if you're saying in terms of my ebook i would say just start with freelancing freedom the ebook about freelancing and then you linkedin one is like an optional thing based on if you want to use linkedin at all for finding clients you could also use twitter you could also use instagram although not recommended i would say twitter uh, and linkedin are actually very good options for directly reaching out to people and pitching your services to them and uh, another option is cold emailing and i think for that cold email wizard has a very good course you can check him out on twitter it's called cold email mastery um and that's a very good course so yeah i think that's good for finding clients through cold email I've heard a lot of praise about that course. I, I think I will get that. I will get I, it at some point. Yeah, it's good. So you mentioned that Instagram is not a good source for getting clients. Why is that the case? I think it works for some people, yes. But the trend I've seen with Instagram is there's usually an agency or some somebody else managing the page, especially if it's like for a founder or. director and usually they're not on instagram like you know certain people depending on your niche like for me i mostly go after specific tech entrepreneurs and they are usually not on instagram they are on linkedin they are on twitter um they're sharing articles they're not sharing video or image content so depends on your target audience but also just generally instagram um just becomes some something that's they are they probably not personally active on it could be different Yeah. I can attest to that. Like, um, I, yeah. I am not on Instagram. Like, I am. Like, Life Math Money is on Instagram, but it's a it's a Python script which automatically posts my Twitter content on Instagram. Interestingly, I went to 50k just posting screenshots of my Twitter. <laughs> well, that, you know what kind of screenshots they are? So, I mean, I'm not surprised. So, yeah. And I also have a TikTok which is managed by a guy. So I earlier I had an agency to do it, but the agency wasn't good, so I fired them. And I hired a guy who's a designer, 
and now he's managing it. Perfect. So yeah, if you reach out to me on TikTok, you will never get a response because it's not managed by me. So it's interesting you mentioned this because if you are, you know, cold emailing people, it's important that you send your email to the right person, the person who can actually make the decision. Right. Because otherwise you just get stonewalled by secretaries or freelancers handling something and employees. How do you find the actual person running the business? LinkedIn is great for that because LinkedIn has all these filters for like finding people by their designation. So you could find people who have um, like by the designation or in their bio, they have written director, founder, co-founder, project manager, HR, whatever. So you can find people that way. And I think that really works for me on LinkedIn. So I just go in for like founder, co-founder, director, those people. Um, and I think uh, if you're doing specifically cold emailing, that's different because you have to scrape emails and things like that. And it's a little too technical on, on the cold email side of things. So I would say, again, cold email wizard, he has a good course, cold email mastery. And that does cover how to find leads and how to scrape leads as well. So I think that that will be helpful. Perfect. I think we've covered freelancing as well as we could have. So tell me something. Let's let's move on to something different. Mm -hmm. I think you're moved trying to sell more ebooks and getting in the more passive income type of business right now. Is that true? Yeah, I don't call ebooks passive income. I know automated income, you could say, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's something that I do want to do more of. Yeah. So what is your biggest takeaways? Because I think you have way more ebooks than I do. You tend to write more as I do mm -hmm. than I do. Maybe. How many do you have? I have two ebooks. Okay, I have six so far. So what is your process? How do you create them? Like my process is simply I just like take a week, I write as much as I can, and I just like leave it. But and I update them every once in a while, usually every six months. But since you are more of a writer in the sense that you write for the sake of writing and not specifically because you want to convey a message. Like that is like the, your brand is more about writing for itself. Mm -hmm. So how do you actually come up with the content? How do you avoid running out of, you know, ideas to write about? And what is your process for writing? I think uh, at this point, because I have a large audience on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, I end up getting a lot of comments, a lot of questions, DMs, a lot of responses in the Q&As that I do on Instagram. And that is definitely a good source of inspiration because I know what my audience is thinking, what they need at this point in time, uh, what is something that I've probably not addressed before, or maybe I have a different point of view or a different perspective that I want to put forth for the same topic that I have talked about before. Um, so I think that does become a big source of inspiration. Another thing is just anything that happens around me. So even when I just started creating content on LinkedIn, one of the main content styles that worked that 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 worked really well for me was actually using, you know, all these like everyday experiences and turning them into like, okay, what is my takeaway from this? And it became a thing on, uh, on LinkedIn that I did. So I still continue to do that. Although I think in a more abstract way, maybe not too specific, but just more of a mindset or like you know mental approach that that kind of way and um so yeah things that happen around me questions that i get all of these are inspirations and just anything that um, i read 
that also if i just want to again put my point of view on twitter i either quote tweet it or i just create a new thread based on my ideas so those are my three main sources i guess of inspiration i see so it's more like a stream of consciousness you could say yes especially on twitter i think it's become that twitter is the ideal platform for stream of consciousness it takes the least amount of effort you can just tweet really fast yeah but i think that it makes people lazier as well in the sense that i have a lot of friends who are influencers and mm-hmm. once they get on twitter they start making money so fast that they stop doing anything else so if they were making youtube videos that stops because to make money you just have to tweet more yeah um i think in that case like it depends what your motivations are i mean i enjoy all of this content creation side of things i enjoy doing podcasts i enjoy like conversation good conversations so yeah like irrespective of how things would do financially i guess i would still you know of course it's different that it's with you but you you, you get what i mean i'm sure um so yeah i think you have to like if you enjoy the the, the other aspects of what you're working on then you won't really give up on them i see so once again changing gears and as i and as i said this podcast is all over the place you moved to dubai lately you told me and how have you been liking the city so far it's good so far um i've just uh, i think that settling in phase took a little too long but i've now i've found some people that i can like sort of hang out with like i've found a place to swim to play badminton to have my own like daily routine so yeah now i feel better i was watching an interview of yours to prepare questions for this interview and you mentioned that earlier you were working for someone else you were working at a news company as a twitter manager and what is your experience like you know now that you work for yourself and you can actually move around the world do what you want work only a couple of hours a day versus yeah. ma- doing the same thing essentially managing a social media account for someone else so what are the differences there and what have you you could say are you grateful that you picked this choice or is it the same oh no i'm definitely grateful for this i've never had a full time job so whatever i work experience i have i did three internships in a span of one year before i joined uh, college so i don't have any like proper job experience as such and this inclination towards entrepreneurship towards wanting to do my own thing has been there since i was probably like 9 or 10 years old like that's the kind of life i always saw myself having i think i just imagined a more professional office setting not like my own bedroom or my own house but yeah things have of course changed in the last couple of years um but yeah i think this for me like especially as somebody who loves traveling who loves being out and like doing so many different things in her day i think this is a very good choice for me because it just gives me so much time and flexibility that i of course i definitely would not have had that if uh, if i had a full time job or a full time role that way do you ever find yourself slacking off and becoming lazier as you you know become more successful as the need for money dies down does does that happen to you because that happens to a lot of people it does it does happen it's not just about when you're doing well i think even when i think it happens like either way for me um uh, even when things aren't going the best i think there's this 
weird sort of um, confidence I have in this whole career choice and in myself that I'm like, okay, at some point, you know, th- things will get back to how they should be. So I think it does, in in its own weird way, a lot of the pressure has gone down. It's there, but it's also, it, it also has gone down in the sense that I don't feel scared. Not, not really. I don't really feel scared about what's ahead. So I think um, it's a good thing, but it also does breed a little bit of laziness and complacence, complacence or complacency. I don't know what would be the word, but it just makes you a little bit more complacent than you would like to be, I think. Uh, at least that's in my case, yeah. We're going to have a lot of youngsters who listen to this podcast and they might have trouble, especially if they're Indian, you know, they'll have trouble convincing their parents, okay, I'm going to become a freelancer on the internet and I'm mm-hmm. going to quit my college or whatever. Like you quit your college. What advice do you have for people like this? Because, you know, for a Western guy, it doesn't make any difference. Like they aren't, they're more independent, but in India... Someone who's like 18 still asks his parents, okay, is this a good idea or not? Should I do this or that? And most Indian parents would are not happy with entrepreneurship. They want something more stable. So how what was your experience in this regard? And what advice do you have specifically? Okay, so in terms of my family and my parents, they've been very supportive. So I think they had to, I, I think like we are all on the same page. Like I never, it was never even a point of discussion that way. But I think the thing you mentioned about me dropping college, it's very important to note that I dropped college when I was already making like six figures USD a year. Like I was making well over $100,000 a year. And that's when I decided that I don't think college is going to be helpful for me. So I need to leave. I still have a bachelor's. I will also say that because the idea of dropping out is different. I know. Uh, but yeah, I was already making good money. So I think that's important. I never recommend anybody to like quit their job unless they have tried and tested freelancing and it's making them at least two times the money that their job is making them. And it should be that way for at least six months before I can say, okay, yeah, you're in a good position to probably leave your job and do this full time. So I will like, because it's, you know, these are difficult times and you don't want to experiment with something uh, because you've seen it online. And because, of course, a lot of people are doing it successfully, but just in case it's not something you prefer, I wouldn't recommend you quit your job. Um, in terms of convincing parents, I would also say that just start freelancing on the side. Like, don't leave. Like, if they have said that, you know what, you should join college instantly after school and you've listened to them and you've joined college and you're maybe you're in college right now and you're watching this, don't think about having to leave college if you want to start freelancing you would need like maybe if you can somehow make two to three hours a day for yourself to work like I remember I used to go to college from like 8 a.m to whatever 7 8 p.m sometimes even 10 p.m not that I had many lectures but I was very involved in all these business events and workshops and things like that I used to always go for all of them Uh, and then I used to work from like 10 p.m to 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. for my clients and then again like go back to college in the morning at 8 Um, and then I would sleep in on most weekends just to like cover up sleep whatever Uh, but yeah I've done that like for two two years before the pandemic hit and before I had to be at home I have done that so it's hard it's challenging but it's also the kind of stuff that you have to do if you want to try out freelancing so um, if you can just make two two and a half hours every single day 
either in the beginning of your day or at the end of your day for freelancing, that's good enough. So this way you don't have to leave anything. You don't have to do a lot of convincing. But once you start making good money and you probably start sending money home or whatever, then your parents will understand and they'll see the opportunity. So that should help. Like the, basically your parents want you to be financially independent and they want you to be financially stable. And if you can show them that you can do it and you're doing it at whatever, like 18, 19 years old and you're doing it from your college room or from your own house, they'll be happy to see that, okay, there is some opportunity in it and you are able to grab that opportunity. So I guess just show them the, show them the money. That's, that's what it is. I love that phrase, you know, show me the money. <laughs> yes. Show me the money, yeah. All right, Shreya, this was a great show. I'm, I love to have had you. And tell me, is there something, is there a last message you would like to leave to our listeners? Is there something you would like to share? Something I'm, I should have asked, but I didn't ask. I think there's nothing specific. I think um, other things I would say is that I do admire the kind of content you put out. And I think um, that it, it, it just gives a more holistic approach towards whatever makes life worth living and makes life more successful, I guess, in, in whatever your definition of success may be. And I think I'm just glad that anyone who's watching this has found your content and they should check out your Twitter because there is a lot to learn. I know I'm not your target audience. I know you target young men mostly, but it's still, it's, I've told you this before that you were one of the first accounts I ever followed on Twitter. And I have learned a lot from you in whatever, like, I don't know how many years I've been following you. So, yeah. So I think uh, people should check your profile and um, I think you're doing a good job. Hey, I'm happy to hear that, especially from you. Yeah. So guys, all the links to Shreya's social profiles will be in the description of this video or on in the podcast if you're listening to it on the Podbean platform. And um, check out Shreya's ebooks. I have taken her book on LinkedIn. It's really good. And she also has a book on freelancing. The links will be in the description. And have a great day. Click the like and subscribe button. It really helps me out. And also make sure that you get future recommendations from YouTube. If you want recommendations for all videos, hit the notification bell and I will see you next time. Bye.